Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Anthony Michael Hall and Debbie Gibson uh, are starring in uh, the, the new movie, The Class. And by the time you hear this, by the time you're hearing my voice, you'll be able to see it in theaters. Uh, it's paying homage to uh, one of the, uh, one, one of the, the great, most popular films uh, and uh, Anthony Michael Hall was a big, such a big part of that and uh, Breakfast Club and, and of course the great John Hughes and uh, Frank McKay here much more importantly Anthony Michael Hall and Debbie uh, Mike Debbie how are you guys Doing great, Frank. Thank you. So good. So excited. So excited to be talking to you and about this project. So excited. Well, let- home state New York. All right. Yeah. I, I'm yes. telling you, I was just telling you off mic, we're, uh, we're proud of both of you guys, and uh, I, I think uh, people uh, uh, anywhere around pop culture and uh, and entertainment uh, have just loved you guys for years, and uh, the fact that you're, you're working together is uh, is fascinating. Let me start with you, Mike. Uh, let, me, uh, let me just ask you, have you worked with Debbie before? I have not. We figured this out that we met many years ago when Debbie was turning 18 at her 18th birthday <laughs> party out here in Hollywood. So that was the first time I got to meet the great Debbie Gibson. But no, uh, we really just hit it off. We really had a great rapport. And we made a picture last summer in Chicago. And we had the great fortune of getting Debbie on board. And she was she's phenomenal in the film. She's a natural actress. And we're really proud of this movie. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, we're really proud of the movie, Frank. It's just a modern-day version of it. It's not a remake, but it's about six kids this time. We both played two teachers. Debbie's character, Miranda Long, kind of leads the class, and they've all come in on a Saturday to retake an exam that they either failed or missed. And I play the assistant principal. He's kind of more of a traditional hardline guy. And we kind of butt heads, and then Debbie kind of takes over from there. Um, she does a great job with this with this role. Um, and all the kids are dealing with real-world issues. I mean, everything from depression to alcoholism to a life-threatening illness their sexuality they're dealing with real world issues and that was one of our intentions that Nikki and I when producing this movie we wanted to make it really more accessible to a younger generation and to keep it real for them you know to so you know he wrote a great script um, the story is is a, a different one it's six new characters but he kind of takes the framework of the breakfast club and we took it in a new direction so uh, we're very happy with the film it turned out fantastic and Debbie let me sharing with audiences it opens this that uh, Friday, September 9th. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. Uh, listen, uh, 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 thrilled you to have that info. You Saturday on the brain because the kids come in on a Saturday. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Debbie, let me let me let me turn to you. Uh, Mike's been in uh, in in at least three that I know of John Hughes films, and uh, I, you know I I don't know whether you either got to. 
um, uh, meet the the great man him, himself, or if you were a big fan of his growing up, I got to believe in the time frame that you yeah, grew up. I was a huge fan. I didn't get to meet him, but I was a huge fan. I was right in that wheelhouse of who he was talking to as an audience, which again is why it was so thrilling to work with Mike and to work on this movie that really does pay homage to, you know, the, the, the basic concept. It's definitely not a remake, but, you know, as Mike was saying, it really does speak to this generation in the same way, and it really has that same message of don't judge a book by its cover. It's like that person you've been sitting next to in class all year who you don't know. Get to know them because you might have more in common than you think, and that, that's a big theme of this movie. Oh, yeah, and listen, I, it just I, I'm looking forward to seeing it, uh, Mike. Let me turn back to you. Uh, you've I've seen you in the Goldbergs recently, and you, and and, and uh, of course, uh, you know, growing up, you did a lot of the student end of this. But this has to it, it has to feel kind of like a uh, uh, a home away from home to uh, to be there. But the last time you well, when you were doing the Breakfast Club, it was a much different. Um, uh, frame of reference, or or the world was in a much different place. Uh, we're we're hopefully we've grown wiser as a society. Uh, it it's got to be uh, it's got to be almost like a I don't know a, a time capsule looking back and where we are now as a society. Uh, you have a, a, a unique uh, perspective, uh, I would think, as an actor to to see it from both ends. Right. Now, that's a great point you brought up, Frank. It's something that Debbie mentioned earlier, too, which is really true, which is the Internet and obviously social media platforms, that's exacerbated it all, right? So it's a faster world we're all living in, and also this younger generation, the millennial and post-millennial generations, they've really grown up with smartphones, right, with technology, with all this additional pressure. So I think that's a real thing. You know, it's so funny. I saw a meme last week, and it cracked me up, and it said, it was a picture of all of us from the original Breakfast Club, like the movie poster image, and it said, if these kids, if they remade this movie today, it wouldn't work because they'd all be on smartphones. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've actually not remade the film, but it's, you know, it's inspired by, but, you know, again, uh, we have to tip our hat to, to Nikki Solosi because our writer-director did a beautiful job, and he's my producing partner, because he wrote a great script, and he really took the framework of it and gave these kids more real-world issues. And it's not like these issues didn't really exist, 30 years ago when we were all coming up, but it was obviously less talked about to, to varying extents, right, all the issues that they're dealing with. So it's ripe, and it's really a great time for this, I think, too, because it's a faster, kind of meaner world in some ways. But I think I think this younger generation is very impressive, you know, because obviously they're more socially aware and very, in many ways, I think, more mature than our generation. So I think it's, uh, you know, this film really reflects that because, one of the things that, uh, that Debbie brought up in one of our other interviews today is working with these kids, it really keeps you honest, you know, because you know that they're coming from a real place. And so it kept us fresh as actors, you know, to keep it real with them. Um, so it was a great project for all these reasons. And I think the timing of it is wonderful, even though I'd never anticipated, you know, not remaking, but even, you know, doing anything similar to the Johnny films. But I felt it was the time for this kind of film. And so we're very proud of it. Debbie's wonderful in the film, really likable. And we kind of butt heads and we're really very diametrically opposed in the, in the story. But we all got along great, you know. So the kids really delivered. Debbie's great in the film. We have John Capelos, who was in a lot of the original John Hughes films. He's in the film as well. And uh, looking forward to sharing it with audiences. It opens Friday, September 9th this week. Uh, Debbie, 
Debbie, let me jump back to you. Uh, you know, it, it, you could look yeah. at your career, and it's uh, it's it's a history lesson in in pop culture. Uh, I mean, you broke in with MTV, and uh, you know, we shared Long Island uh, together. But uh, you, you broke in with MTV. Now MTV is a much different uh, dynamic, and and here we are watching you in the class. Uh, you know, along with Anthony Michael Hall and and John, as you just mentioned, uh, but. I, I, there's uh, there's a lot to be said for uh, for what you've seen during your career, and if you follow the timeline, and now we're in you know we're in social media, we're, we're in in every second part of the media. Uh, you've seen the 24 uh, hour news cycle and everything else. But uh, as far as you go, uh, you have to look back and and you know really you've seen it all. I mean, listen, MTV, like, I remember the days of MTV actually, like, playing videos around the clock, and, you know, I remember sitting in my grandparents' living room waiting for the thriller premiere, and, and again, to speak to what Mike was saying, now it's like something comes out, and, you know, millions of people see the video premiere at one time on their phones. It's such a different, it is such a different, like, instant gratification society we live in, and because of that, it the issues are amplified that young people are dealing with, which really is so much a part of the film. You know, there's so much, like, I call it unsolicited feedback that you get on social media that psychologically really messes with kids now. Um, you know, we got to kind of take our time a little more in our, in our processes as young people when we were growing up. Um, and, and, you know, I, I contributed a song to this film, and I was saying, you know, in these interviews today that it's like, you know, this character has her guitar in school with her. There's so many kids making music now. We, I was like the only one in my school making music at the time. But now you've got Garage Band and, and yeah. <laughs> you know, TikTok and everyone's, everyone's an artist. Um, so it's just an interesting time to set this movie in because, again, it's, the issues are amplified, essentially. But, but Mike and I growing up, kind of with the dawning of all those great John Hughes movies and being able to see it full circle to the class and to give kids, young people, their version of that and to let young people know their theme. Hey, your issues are represented in this movie. I mean, probably every every kid watching this movie is going to see some piece of themselves. Right. In and in all fairness, too, those are great points, Debbie. In all fairness, too, it's a much more multi-ethnic cast and it's reflective of the world, too, because let's be honest, I mean, it was all five white kids 35 years ago, you know? Exactly. So I think that was very yeah. important to us, too, that the writing was solid, that it's a much more representative, you know, cross-section. Diversity, yes. It reflects yeah, the diversity. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, we really are, are proud of the film because it really does pack a punch and it really does have that resounding same message, which is unifying, which is we are more alike than we're different, and we have to have compassion in order to see each other with fresh eyes, you know? So that message cuts through in a very natural way, but there's also a lot of great laughter and great humor in the film, too. So we're really proud of it. We're really pumped, and we're looking forward to sharing it with the audience. Yes. And if I may, can I just change, change for one second? I just want to make one New York... Yep. I'm going to be through New York. I'm going to be through New York through the uh, Paramount Theater this this holiday with my holiday tour. I just remembered we're talking to New York. I got to let you know. <laughs> uh, well, listen. Hopefully, we can get you on a little closer. But we'll be talking about it all the way through, and we'll be pushing it like crazy. Uh, Mike, Debbie, congratulations on everything. Just a wonderful career both of you have had, and certainly the class. We'll all be going, and we'll be watching. Thank you very much for being here, both of you. And Debbie, we'll see you at the Paramount. 
Thank you, guys. Debbie Gibson and Anthony Michael Hall, friends call him Mike, um, uh, both have had uh, very impressive careers and uh, pop culture iconic figures from uh, from the eighties, and you know Debbie Gibson, uh, Long Islander, uh, gotta uh, gotta say that again, and she'll be at the Paramount uh, coming up. We'll keep an eye on that and get the dates and everything. But but the uh, the class as we speak, you can see it in theaters now. Uh, I talked to him uh, yesterday, so. Uh, you could see them uh, in the class, in theaters, uh, paying homage to um, one of his most popular films, The Breakfast Club. Frank McKay signing off. Anthony Michael Hall and De- Debbie Gibson have been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Dr. Robert Eng is our very special guest. And he is uh, with Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. And uh, he's explaining to us about a cancer clinical trial that's happening uh, in New York City and uh, everyone, everyone's got to pay attention to Dr. Ang. Dr. Ang, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Frank. And uh, I'm, I'm with uh, Volbio, a biotechnology company based in Massachusetts. And as you mentioned, yep, we're conducting clinical trials right there in New York at Memorial Sloan Kettering and right across the river uh, in Hackensack uh, University Medical Center in New Jersey. Right, so give us a rundown. What's uh, what's going on? Is there a time period that this is is happening during, or is it is it a constant? So what we're doing is running a first in human uh, clinical trial, uh, and this is open for patients with a disease called acute myeloid leukemia. Uh, acute myeloid leukemia, or AML, is a blood cancer. It's a cancer of the blood system that. Uh, slowly takes over your bone marrow. Uh, it uh, occurs in over 20,000 people in the U.S. And what we're trying to do is revolutionize treatment of this disease by creating a treatment-resistant stem cell transplant for these patients. Never been done before, and we think it has the potential to revolutionize treatment of cancer. Well, listen, it's, uh, you know, this is something that, that we're getting to a, uh, you know, we're getting to a point where our medicine and uh, our medical technology is uh, is allowing us to live longer, and it's uh, it's things like this. I, can you uh, can you address something? And and again, I, I don't want to get too far off topic, but uh, so many people talk about the the lifespan and uh, lifespan of people uh, going up, and there's some articles where it's going down. Uh, I don't know if uh, if if 
the idea that it's going down is because of, uh, because of COVID and what happened and the uh, people that may have lost life uh, earlier there. But where, where, is our, where is our lifespan going is it, uh, as, a, as a species? Are we going up? Are we going down? You know, I, I think COVID uh, certainly put a little bit of a blip in our progress on increasing lifespan. Uh, and, you know, I think what also has happened is that people haven't been going for the regular checkups quite as often just due to fear of COVID or, or travel or other, other things. You know, where that pertains to things like uh, acute myeloid leukemia is that some cancers uh, actually give very nonspecific symptoms. In fact, most of the time with AML, uh, patients suffer from things like fevers or lethargy or weakness. They just might feel a little tired or, you know, at the end of the day, but it could actually be cancer. And so without proper screening, you may not be able to pick up cancers early enough for, uh, you know, proper treatment. Uh, let me remind folks that are just tuning in a little late or just turning on their radios. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Dr. Robert Eng is our very special guest. And we're talking about the, the clinical uh, the trials that are happening um, in, uh, in uh, Sloan Kettering and across the river uh, in Hackensack. Um, but Robert Eng is, uh, is, uh, practices out of, out of Massachusetts, and maybe we can get a little into your history if you don't mind. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, give us a little bit of your background and, and start from the beginning, if you would. Uh, where were you born? Where were you raised? Yeah, so I was actually born in, in Malaysia, but I grew up in Australia, which kind of explains a bit of my accent. So uh, I actually went to medical school there, uh, ended up coming to the U.S. in 2003, and I've really been involved in uh, biotech ever since. So I'm privileged to be president and CEO of a company called Vorbio. Uh, and uh, we are based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and we're really trying to revolutionize the treatment of blood cancers like AML. Well, listen, uh, uh, great work. Your repu reputation precedes you. Uh, and, uh, and again, uh, wonderful work here, uh, and and again for those joining us a little late, let's let's touch again on the uh, on the clinical trials, and uh, and you know remind us of some of what you just said a little earlier, uh, and and please expand on if you don't mind. Thanks, Frank. So uh, at Vorbio, we are running a clinical trial uh, testing a uh, hopefully revolutionary new approach to treating cancer. This is specifically for acute myeloid leukemia (AML). And uh, in fact, it's for patients who are eligible for stem cell transplant with HL uh, and or who are at high risk of relapse. So certainly uh, for those uh, friends or family, uh, please come uh, to our website and learn more about it. It's vorbio.com. That's uh, V for Victor, O-R-B-I-O.com. There's a special tab for patients and caregivers there. Uh, with all kinds of information on our trial and the clinical trial sites, which include Memorial Sloan Kettering and Hackensack University Medical Center. Uh, what, what is, what is a, uh, a hopeful outcome on the trials? And pardon my ignorance on this, but what, is, uh, what, what do you hope uh, that will, and realistically, uh, uh, what, what is the hope that will come from these trials? Yes. Uh, so we are testing a new type of stem cell transplant where what we're hoping to do is render this transplant uh, resistant to any uh, to kinds of uh, anti-cancer treatments. 
So it's almost like a superhuman transplant in a way. But what we need to do firstly is establish that it's safe. And so we've done all kinds of extensive testing uh, to make sure it's, it, you know, as, as far as we can tell, is safe for humans. But ultimately, this is where we need to start treating patients and finding that out. And you can actually find out if a transplant works in the first couple of weeks after their transplant. It starts making all the kind of cells you need uh, to repopulate the blood system. And then what we're doing pretty uniquely in this trial is we're providing patients with a drug called Molotov, which is a targeted therapy meant to kill their cancer. Normally, it can be very toxic on the basis of, of uh, the way it works. But we hope with our special transplant, that will be treatment resistant and we won't really be seeing much of that toxicity. So we'll be able to tell that uh, even within the first couple of months of therapy. You're hearing the voice of Dr. Robert Ang and uh, just wonderful work that he's been doing. And uh, just, uh, again, his reputation precedes him. Just fantastic work that he and his uh, colleagues have, uh, have been doing here. Frank McKay, but much more importantly, uh, Dr. Robert Eng is our very special guest. We got a couple of moments left with a, a good doctor. Uh, doctor, if I could add something personal here, my, uh, we have a dear friend that we lost at 37 years old, and I, I believe she got, had her cancer, brain cancer, um, at uh, you know somewhere around 2007, 2008, and and she uh, we lost her almost immediately after her uh, her diagnosis. And she went for all the treatments and everything that was there. Uh, we have another dear friend of ours who got virtually the same brain cancer that uh, that occurred. Uh, you know, maybe maybe 2008. He's a Supreme Court justice, a gentleman named uh, Tom Whalen, and uh, and and Justice Whalen had the same exact cancer that our dear friend uh, we lost our dear friend to, and they started the stem cells on him and they shot his own stem cells into into the tumor and I think the tumor was basically in the same spot and he is cancer free for about two years at this point and and there's not a I mean he, he has to check and he's you know obviously diligent about that but uh, he hasn't had a cancer cell in uh, in in two years uh, you know maybe longer at this point and uh, is that a product of the technology and uh, was there great growth in that time period for, for the temp, uh, stem cell treatment, or is that uh, somehow just a coincidence? You know, we are fortunate to be part of a whole revolution in cancer treatments. Uh, the, the amount of technology available to us today is unprecedented, including, you know, cell therapies, uh, genome engineering, all different kinds of biology. And so it's, it's a fascinating time to, to, to uh, be in the world of biotech, but also, really, this is this is the moment where we can we can aim for cures in cancer. Uh, up to up to this point, most of the increments have been pretty marginal, uh, meaningful but marginal. But uh, you know, we need to make step changes here for patients, including the close colleagues that you mentioned. And so, Evolve Bio, you know, we're part of this uh, cell therapy revolution. Uh, again, we are running a clinical trial including in sites uh, at Hackensack and at Memorial Sloan Kettering right there in New York. Uh, it's a trial for acute myeloid leukemia for patients who are transplant eligible. Uh, to find out more, we have a lot of information on our website, and that is borbio.com, so that's V for Victor, O-R-B-I-O.com. 
click the tab for patients and caregivers. Lots of information there, including videos about what we're doing and the available clinical sites where we are enrolling in our uh, trial right now. Uh, Dr. Robert Ang, uh, you and your colleagues have proved once again that uh, not all heroes wear capes, and uh, you're a heroic figure in my mind and in so many people's minds. Uh, just keep up the great work. You're literally a lifesaver, and uh, and uh, good luck with the uh, the clinical trials. We're all cheering for you. And if there's uh, if uh, again, if there's any uh, additional information you want to give us real quickly, we've got about 30 seconds. Do you have a website or a social media site you want to? Uh, uh, give everyone so we can follow up? Yes, please. Uh, for those uh, interested, again, we're treating acute myeloid leukemia and our website is vorbio.com, V-O-R-B-I-O.com. Dr. Robert Ang, thank you very much. Congratulations on all your great work and we hope to talk to you again real soon. Thank you to you and your listeners, Frank. Dr. Robert Ang has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. He's breaking it down, so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with someone who is uh, very hard to describe, a legend uh, for sure, iconic, no question. He is a, a film director and each one of his films has a special place in, uh, in, in the cult market and the mainstream market and wherever you want to put it. And again, you got to try not to be cliche when you talk about a man like this. John Waters uh, is not only a film director, but a writer of, uh, of films and, uh, and certainly of books. Uh, two of them I've read, Cossack and, uh, and Role Models, and they're, they're just absolutely great. His latest is Mr. Know-It-All, The Tarnished Wisdom of a Filth Elder. It is a must-get, everyone. Get two of them. But I'm absolutely thrilled to have Mr. John Waters with us. John, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing well, and I like be in this grade Z horror movie we're caught in. But yes, I'm fine. Yeah, I, I mean it's you know first first off how how are you guys doing you and and yours? I hope you're all doing well. And and could you have, well, uh, have yeah, imagined actually, anything like this? I'm in San Francisco right now. I flew for the first time, um, but I was in Baltimore through you know the first months of it, and then I live in Provincetown in the summer, so I was there. And uh, so I, I switched holding cells a couple times, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't go out. I mean, I go to the store, I wear my mask. I, I even have a line of masks with my face on it that you can get. Uh, so I, I try to adapt to the times. But I'm a writer, so it's not that different for me. I write at home anyway, so I'm still writing away. That's all you can do. Keep going and try to reimagine show business because I'm not sure how that's going to come back. Yeah, it, it's going to be a difficult time. Yeah, I mean, people forget you probably have done more writing recently than uh, than filmmaking. Uh, you know, I think everyone well, immediately the thinks. The thing is, my spoken word show. I, you know, I've lost thirty five spoken word jobs. So you know, wow. it definitely. I'm like everybody. No one has a job these days. 
Yeah, it's just it's unbelievable. Well, give us a little rundown of Mr. Know-It-All, and and if you can, uh, give us uh, the start. What was the genesis of it? Well, Mr. Know-It-All is really a book of advice, really, to younger people of how I got away with being who I am for 50 years and never had to get a real job. Uh, it's about negotiation. It's about how you can get ahead in every business. And, and But at the same time, you have to work at it, too. You have to learn that business. You can have the most talent in the world, but then you've got to figure out what to do with it. So it's also humorous. I, I talk about a, a, a restaurant that's so hideous and trendy that you would pay to go there to get sick to eat. I talk about designing the most ludicrous, brutalist house that I could live in to outrage the neighbors. I talk about taking LSD again at 70 years old, which I did, just to see what it would be like. Uh, So it, it has many, many different subjects, but it's all about growing older and how how you can you can negotiate your way through life and fail upwards and be happy and be a success. Well, you, you know, you touched on the LSD at 70 years old. I, I think a lot of us and a lot of people would, would be afraid at, at an advanced 53 at this point, and I think a lot of people my age are afraid to do mescaline or, or well, LSD. I wouldn't recommend it. My mother says, he's so saying, don't tell young people to take drugs. I'm not. I'm telling old people to take drugs. <laughs> that if you, when you were younger, I haven't taken drugs in 30, I mean, I smoke pot every once. I don't even like pot anymore, but But I'm saying that in my younger days, I did take LSD and had never a bad experience. And I thought, what would it be like now at 70-some years old to do that? So it was scary, and I got the very best acid. It took me six months to get it from a really trusted source. And I took it with Mink Stoll, one of my oldest friends and another friend I have, and uh, that was not romantic. And, uh, and it was a great experience. I don't ever have to do it again. I mean, I did it for the book the same way I hitchhiked across America for my last book. It was a stunt in a way, but it was two things I hitchhiked a lot when I was young, too, to try to imagine what it would be like to do those things. It's beyond a midlife crisis. It's midlife insanity. So, and I really can't say midlife. I'm not going to live to be 148. So I guess it's the winter of my years that I decided, well, you should always try to dare yourself to do stuff. Keep trying to take chances. Keep trying to do things. That And both the things turned out to be very, very good experiences. Did, did you do any less? Did you take half a head, or did you take a little bit less? No, than what you- I'd say it was the strongest acid I ever took in my life, and the purest. So basically, I was hallucinating for 12 hours. And, you know, it was if I had known that before I took it, I would have been scared. But it was so great, and we had such a great time together. And it was such a bonding experience, and it was so safe. That, you know, and I'm not telling other people might take it and freak out. I'm just telling you what happened to me. And mine was a perfect experience. It was so good that I would never try to repeat it. Why would I do it again? I'm not going to hitchhike across the country again either. That was a good experience, but once was enough. Did it, did it feel, when, when you were tripping this time around at 70, did, you, did it feel different than, what, what, let me ask you this, did it feel... Well, I think I didn't have any hangover. Maybe I think it was probably the best acid I ever had, the purest. It felt, it felt, you know, I was with Mink, who I've known for 50 years. She's been in my films, but she's been my friend forever. It felt comforting in a way. It felt, um, it felt like it was 
I don't know, was growing old together in a good way. Um, it never freaked me out. I mean, I was hallucinating the things jumping off the walls, paintings spinning around, everything. But we all sort of did at the same time. We just started laughing. I took the same music that I used to take LSD with, which is ridiculous, like Fellini soundtracks, yeah. Dionne Warwick. And they still work. They sounded great on acid. I don't think I've ever played them since. But uh, I, And I did it in Provincetown in, in a very safe apartment with a beautiful view of the bay and a beautiful night out. So I think you had to do it somewhere very, very safe. But at the same time, as the day built up that I was going to do it, I was really nervous. I could suppose I go crazy. You know, so I got a lot to lose here. Did it feel, while you were tripping, did it feel like it was a long time since you tripped before? Or was it kind of like riding a bicycle? where yeah. you? It was, I remember thing that, that slam you see on the back of your throat when acid starts to come on. There were things I remembered about it that I'd forgotten. But they always used to say, don't look in the mirror when you're on acid. So I did. And I thought, I don't look so bad. I'm a suntan. I'm old. But, you know, it, all the things that you used to worry about happening weren't so bad, really. But it's because I felt so safe. I think that's it. And I had prepared for it for so long. For six months, I had prepared for that night. So, uh... That's what I'm saying. Did it remind me of the old days? I didn't feel as reckless, even though probably taking LSD as a senior citizen was more reckless than anything I did as my youth. But I always joke, you know, they can't call it dementia now. I'm just having a flashback. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Looking back on your career, and again, I, you know, I, I hate to be all cliche, but you, you certainly did it your way. You did it on your own terms. You did uh, all of that. It, Looking back, was there any point, any pivot point where, because you did it that way, uh, you were on cruise control at that point? It, 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 your career was much stronger or much easier even because you had kind of stuck to your own guns and you, and you did well, your thing. I think my cruise control never was on because yeah. success in, in show business is sure. You know, you're as good as your last picture. So after Hairspray was a success as a movie, yes, it was easy to, very easy to get Crybaby made. All the studios wanted to do it. Um, after Hairspray won the Tony Award as a musical, they made Crybaby as a musical. Yes, so there, there are things success breeds on crazy success in Hollywood. So that happens every once in a while. But my career has been like a growth stock. Over the years, it's gone up and down. Even in the book, I say climbing my way up to Hollywood and going all the way back down to the gutter again. But all those ways, I made it work for me in a way. So I knew the reality of it, of where I was in my career, that nothing lasts forever. You always have to reinvent yourself. And that's what everybody's doing in show business right now, is re with the virus, is reinventing what is going to happen. You know, We all have to think of different ways to do anything. I mean, for this book, I've been doing virtual uh, book signings, which basically you do. I sign a million uh, book plates and I send them in. Then in each city, they hire someone that basically does the discussion with you. It used to be on stage, now it's online. But you have to buy the book to watch it. So actually, we have been selling more books that way because uh, it's much shorter. You know, everybody who wants to watch can be all over the world. They don't have to be in that city. Do I like it better? No, I liked meeting the fans. I like doing all that. But meet and greets, I think, are a thing of the past forever. I don't know that you're ever going to have a meet and greet selfie uh, meeting ever again, or at least for many years now with, with the virus. 
Mr. Know-It-All, The Tarnished Wisdom of a Filth Elder is the name of the book. Everyone must get to, It's a must-get, everyone. It's John Waters' latest. And again, you know his, uh, du- uh, his direction in, in some of the great films of all time. Again, Cry Baby, Hairspray, Pink Flamingos. Uh, so many fantastic uh, works of art, really. And, and get caustic. It's terrific role models, but definitely get the latest. And again, Mr. Know-It-All, The Tarnished Wisdom of a Filth Elder. Got a couple more moments with John Waters here. Uh, John, I, I, I got to ask you about uh, Pat, Patty Hearst, Patricia Hearst, and you had her in at least, uh, that I could think of uh, off the top, of at least four movies. And, uh, yeah. and she was wonderful, actually, in it, and the story behind you know, Patty coming back and, and being in these films. You talk about that in, in this book, I believe, right? And Mr. Know-It-All, yeah, you talk certainly. I mean, I talk about Patricia's, and I, uh, she's still my friend. I talked to her yesterday. Um, and you know, I think she came along and made movies with me because she was, who wants to be a famous kidnap victim? <laughs> right. You know, you know right. it's not a career, basically. So by making movies with me and making fun of the unwanted fame she had, really, or infamy, was the best way to move on. And nobody could really use it against her anymore. She Because she was made, she doesn't think it's funny being kidnapped and locked no, in a closet and all the hell she went through. But she made the right decision. She's alive and they're dead. Yeah, so, right. uh, you know, I I think she moved on. She that was a long, long time ago. You know, and but at the same time, she survived it. She's a survivor, and I think um, she really helped me by joining up with me. And 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 I think I kind of helped her because I gave her a way to run with a better pack that we could have some fun and we didn't break any laws. We only brought broke cultural laws. It was a much safer way to rebel. And not that she was rebelling. She was home doing her homework when she was kidnapped. Yeah, right. That's not rebelling. Yeah, look, to me, she's an inspiring figure, but I think in a big reason because of, of you and you bringing her there and, and she made your story much better and her story is obviously much, much better because of what you've done. Terrific uh, job on, on everything and congratulations on an amazing career and still going strong. Uh, Mr. Know-it-all, thank, every, you, thank you very much. John Waters, thanks uh, for being here. Do you have a website or a social media site for the book? No, that- no, no. I, I want to be harder to reach. But there is Dreamland news. Yes, there, there is some, but yes, I want to be harder to reach. <laughs> Way to go, John. Thank you very much. Real honor to talk right. to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. John Waters, everyone. He is the author of Mr. Know-It-All, The Tarnished Wisdom of a Filth Elder. And I really I just uh, thrilled to talk to a guy like this who's had such a unique career and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wish I had him for a longer period of time. He's got people waiting to talk to him. And he is, a, he is an interesting man, uh, to say the least. And his films are, 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 are great for their, their camp, for their, like, even Filth Elder, you know, the, uh, the, the term there. It's, you know, like a punk term that he's using, and he goes to that in the same way you would go to campy. Or, or something along those lines, but uh, it's, he's uh, his greatness is in his uniqueness. John Waters, um, wonderful director, and uh, some really fantastic work behind him. But the books are excellent. Carsick, uh, role models, and and certainly the new one. Please get Mister Know It All: The Tarnished Wisdom of a Filth Elder. The iconic John Walters, uh, Walters, John Waters has been our very special guest and again John Waters director author writer screen screenwriter John Waters has been our very special guest we'll see you next time on breaking it down this is Frank McKay 
Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's breaking it down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Peter Basaka is our very special guest, and he's the author of How a Nursing Home Works. And, you know, one day uh, all of us are going to have to deal with it, either for a loved one, uh, for ourselves, and, um, you know, look, for somebody. Uh, So everyone out there is going to have to uh, understand a little something about what goes on. I'm dealing with uh, the whole situation right now with assisted living and other other things for an uncle that's very close to me and and just absolutely uh, an amazing unbelievable experience just uh, the worst experiences that you can imagine uh, Peter Basak has made it uh, easier for people to understand he's got a great book get this book uh, Howard nursing home works by Peter Basaka Peter how are you I'm doing great I, what's uh, give us a little overview of the book? I mean, what's uh, what, you know? It, I guess the the title is self-explanatory. Give us a little overview. Yeah, um, each chapter is a different department in the nursing home, and I talk about how it's supposed to operate under the federal uh, guidelines, uh, rules, and regulations, and laws. Uh, and uh, I also talk about. Uh, what each uh, sort of specialty, uh, you know, whether it's nursing or physical therapy or social worker, what they do and what was some of the tasks that they perform and what they have to do uh, to perform their job. So it's educational for, say, a young person who's uh, thinking about a uh, becoming a nurse or a social worker or a physical therapist or what have you. Um, and um, it uh, it's educational for a young person who's thinking about a career in healthcare, and it's also educational for uh, a family member who's trying to understand what's going on. What are all these people doing running around uh, in this nursing home trying to help my loved one? Uh, and it's also good for people who work in a nursing home who want to know more about their own department and their and other departments uh, that uh, are in a nursing home. Uh, look, when when you talk nursing home, uh, it's uh it could be a euphemism for other things, or, or there are euphemisms that are being used. Uh, for example, yeah. an assisted living uh, is uh, is different than what we used to think a nursing home is. Uh, right. I used to say old folks home, you know, the old folks home. Obviously, nobody <laughs> right. would use that term right. anymore. Uh, g- give us an example. What, what are the major differences? What's the difference between an assisted living and a nursing home? Yeah, let, let me define the whole process. Uh, if you get sick... Uh, let's say you break a hip, uh, you go to a hospital where they, uh, 
either uh, put in uh, bolts and rods to uh, repair the broken hip or they'll do a hip replacement and then you'll be in the hospital for two or three weeks and then uh, it's all based upon uh, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services who um, dictate uh, how long a person has to be in a hospital and then if they need more care then they have to go to a nursing home, a skilled nursing facility. Now, if uh, uh, assisted living is a much lower level of care, uh, and it came about because uh, the government saw that in the coming years, with all the baby boomers uh, getting starting to retire and getting older, uh, this big glut of the population uh, is going to need care. But we don't want everyone to be in a nursing home where. The Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services has to pay $150,000 a year. So it's a way to uh, decrease the cost of uh, health care in our country. And so they allowed assisted living to develop at a lower level of care than what a, a nursing home provides uh, so that uh, essentially you're paying for it. Uh, privately or maybe you have long-term care insurance as opposed to being a burden to uh, Medicare and Medicaid. And then there's an adult home, which uh, tends to be um, uh, for the uh, mentally disabled. But there are uh, assisted living facilities that specialize in um, the uh, what's called MRDD, the um, mentally retarded, developmentally disability, uh, people with uh, such afflictions. Um, so uh, it's assisted living has evolved uh, mostly as a private pay situation uh, to, to relieve the burden, the financial burden of the government for having to take care of older people who don't need the high skilled nursing that is provided in a nursing home. But with assisted living, there's the luxury assisted living like a Bristol or Brightview. Then there's the uh, medical model of Sunrise Assisted Living. And then you have the uh, Medicaid Assisted Living for a really poor people. Uh, in other words, you have to have less than uh, $15,000 in the bank. And there are other requirements that Medicaid um, has for you to be able to get into a Medicaid assisted living. Here in Suffolk County, there are only three facilities that are Medicaid assisted living. Uh, one's in Port Jeff Station, Woodhaven, one's in uh, Medford, and then another one is in uh, Nesconset. Uh, but if you go to Brooklyn or Queens, then there's like about 50 of these places, of these um, Medicaid assisted living facilities. But, but for the most part, assisted living is uh, $250 a day out of your pocket. <laughs> if, if you're just joining us, if you're just turning your radio on, Frank McKay here with Peter Basaka. How a Nursing Home Works is the name of the book. Get his book, and uh, you were going to need it one day And uh, for, for something. I could use it right now. Uh, it is uh, it just well done, uh, well written, and uh, informative. Frank McKay here with Peter. Uh, Peter, uh, we've got a couple moments left. If you... Uh, 
if, if you can, just differentiate between in the assisted living, uh, there there are two sections, usually of the assisted livings. There, there is the, the regular residency uh, areas, and then there's memory, what they call That's memory. Right. And memory is uh, is the unit that, you know, uh, as you can imagine, these are folks that are uh, that have some form of dementia, uh, Alzheimer's right. or, 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 or what have you. But um, there are those two. If you could just differentiate uh, for what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. For example, the Bristol Assisted Living, uh, they have the regular section for uh, people who uh, maybe that they're just having a harder time walking and they need a walker. Uh, and then you have the memory care section uh, for people with dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, and that's a special uh, section uh, for those people with dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, but uh, medicine advances and... Um, you know, there's more things being found out about how the brain works and how to prevent dementia. There's a lot of research going into that because uh, the government sees that down the road. There's going to be a lot of people having dementia with the baby boomers uh, getting into the 60s and 70s and 80s now. Uh, so they're putting uh, the government is uh, putting a lot of research money into uh, how the brain works and how to prevent dementia uh, through nutrition and um, just uh, to help uh, decrease uh, dementia and uh, to uh, try to prevent the that expense that occurs uh, by having people with dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Peter, give us a website or a social media site that people could follow along with what you're doing and tell us the best place to get the book. Yeah, um, you can get my book at uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Barnes & Noble stores, uh, some other bookstores and bookstore websites. Um, and um, let's see what else. Um, uh, so, that, so that's where you can get the book. Um, and uh, what else did I want to say? Well, listen. While you're while you're thinking, uh, we got about a minute, uh, uh -huh. a minute left. If there's mm -hmm. any anything at all that uh, that that we should know, just give us a bottom line. We got a minute. Oh. Peter Basaka, how a nursing home works. Give us a give us a last line here. Yeah, you can go to a Medicare.gov in the search box. Uh, type in. Um if you're researching uh, a nursing home, uh, whether it's a, a one-star, two-star, three-star, four-star, or five-star nursing home, you go to Medicare.gov in the search box, type in nursing home compare, and then it'll ask you what town or zip code, and you can go and research uh, the nursing home uh, as to the quality of care that it gives, and um, and uh, the uh, as Sai Sims used to say, uh, an educated consumer is our best customer. So, <laughs> so read my book, How Nursing Home Works, become educated, and then uh, you'll be all the better off. Peter Basaka, everyone, is has been our very special guest, and uh, he's written a great book, How a Nursing Home Works. Peter, congratulations on the book and the success of the book, and thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Peter Basaka, How a Nursing Home Works, and again, somewhere along the line, you're going to need this, and uh, it's, it's a great starting point, and, and he, I think he puts it in very simple terms, uh, just a, a well-written book. Uh, I recommend this book to anyone, and it's, a, it's just a great, 
uh, it's a great resource for something that we all will need one day or another, either for somebody to make a decision. Uh, this is a this is a good starting point for making that decision. Frank McKay signing off. Peter Basaka, how a nursing home works is the name of the book. Peter's the author. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host Frank McKay on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.